Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Green Minds podcast. I'm Moritz, and today I'll be joined by Chapol and Rohan, two members of the Common Space program. Launched in 2021 by a group of Imperial College students, the program aims to not only make the space sector more sustainable, but by doing so, develop its own reusable liquid bipropellant rocket that will go all the way to space. Since its inception, the team has grown to over 70 ambitious students and researchers, being funded by organizations such as Microsoft, OneWeb, and Entrepreneurs First. Together, we talked about KSP's mission, the role of space programs for our sustainability efforts here on Earth, and of course, the burning question of if we'll actually colonize Mars at some point. So, without further ado, let's jump right into it. So, as said, I've got Chapel and Rohan with me here today, um, both part of the Common Space Program at Imperial College. So, before we jump into your rocket and what you're developing, maybe just like take a step back and talk a bit more about KSP and how it actually came alive. Because, Chapel, you actually co-founded the entire program back in 2021, right? Yeah, yeah back, back in 2021, myself and a few others co-founded KSP. And how exactly, let's say, did this all come about? Did you guys just sit down together and were like, hey, let's let's build a rocket and, and f fly to space? Or how did it happen? <laughs> it, it quite, quite literally was a, a lot, really, really similar to that. Uh, so we, we, we were working together in a project. We, we were making wind turbines and we worked well together. And I was like, guys, since, since we're making wind turbines, <laughs> do you want to go to space? <laughs> and <laughs> Everybody was on board, which was which was great. And then, uh, yeah, basically from there on, we started the space program and we're now launching rockets. And Rohan, you joined basically just shortly after, right? You were one of the one of the very first team members. Yes, absolutely. So at the time, I was actually on a year in industry, so I wasn't mm -hmm. at college, and I thought that year it would also be quite good if I can still work on some extracurricular project, something yeah. just to keep my mind in the engineering framework because I was working in software engineering for my internship. And mm -hmm. then I happened to come across an Instagram post uh, where KSP was recruiting and it was a rocketry project and rocketry is something that I have loved pretty much my whole life. And it just seemed like an amazing opportunity to get sort of involved in that again. So I applied as an avionics engineer because I also wanted to work on my electronics knowledge and skills. Yeah. And then I happened to be successful in getting a position to join the program. So the program itself is actually structured in full on teams, basically just like almost any other company. Pretty much. We, we have a lot of teams around us. As I mentioned we've got avionics, which do the electronics, we've got propulsion, mm -hmm. we do the engine uh, structures and systems. So yeah, we we split into teams and so forth, and everyone does their own thing mm -hmm. in each team. And is most of the team still studying to some extent or doing their PhD, or or as you Rohan when you first joined, 
uh, doing like a professional year or do you consider it your, your full-time job nowadays? <laughs> uh, I, I wish it was my full-time job, uh, but everyone is students, everyone is undergraduates or postgraduates. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, that, that, that's the team pretty much. Mm. And just Ron, coming, coming back to you, when you joined, you joined as a system engineer, but then you very, very quickly took over a team lead role and now you are managing the entire program or how can I, how can I imagine yeah, how so you guys are structured? When I joined, Chapel's role was project lead, so overseeing progress for the whole uh, of KSP mm -hmm. and driving our objectives, driving progress and overseeing all of the teams between the two engineering division and business division. Mm -hmm. uh, so I joined as the NAVNX engineer and then after a few months uh, there was some kind of restructuring uh, and a couple of new team leads were appointed. At that point Chapeau asked me if I would consider becoming a team lead for this new team that we wanted to kind of try out. So we named this team Team X and its purpose was uh, to try and look into developing engineering solutions in a fraction of the time and cost to what might yeah. be expected. Then pretty shortly after that, uh, there was the kind of change in project lead. And uh, mm -hmm. again, Chapal asked if that was something I might consider doing, which was completely unexpected from my perspective. Uh, but it was an opportunity I couldn't really say no to. And so I ended up taking over those responsibilities. And now, now you're managing basically a team of 80 people building, building a rocket ship. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, when you do that, it is, I would imagine, quite costly to develop a rocket that actually goes to space. So how is the common space program funded or did that change over time? Were you firstly mostly funded by Imperial now that has changed or is that still the same? Yes, so essentially since KSP has existed, we have had this mentality of trying to get sponsorships and funding from wherever we can really. So saying that actually Imperial has sponsored us financially very little, so it's been external organisations that have given us most of our funding and uh, you know Chappelle can tell you more about this but that's something that we're also very proud of in KSB is this kind of entrepreneurial spirit that we try and foster so mm -hmm. not only do we have some excellent engineers and engineering students working for the team yeah. but these people are also you know they have this entrepreneurial flair in them and many of our members have helped in setting up sponsorships with industrial companies that have been really beneficial for our work. So really we try and get this kind of sponsorship from anywhere that we can. There's, there's no rules, there's no limitations. It's just, we are a group of students who have this mega ambition mm. and wherever we can get the resources to help us along the way, we will go and get them from there. That makes sense. Now it's mostly sponsors. You don't have like big investors standing behind you. So I imagine the pitch uh, towards sponsors is quite differently. How, especially when you started off Chappelle, how did you convince your sponsors to like, honestly just give you money and, and let you let you roll with it? Um, so each sponsor 
wants different things. And yeah, you're right, it's very different to investors. Some sponsors like the talent that we have, some sponsors like the PR aspect of the project, mm-hmm. and that's why uh, they sponsor us. They want to get some engagement uh, through the project. And we, we treat each sponsor differently, so we cater to their needs, needs which is very special about KSP. Um, when we started out, it was actually, we, we pretty much hit the nail on the head straight away. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we got the funding that we needed within two weeks. Oh, wow. Twice as much as we needed, which, which really gave us momentum. And, and that was, that was very, very, uh, beneficial for the program. So, uh, and yeah, I mean, ultimately it's all about treating the, the, the sponsor, uh, uniquely and seeing what they want and serving to their needs, uh, instead of just going up and saying, Hey, give us cash for building rockets. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very, you know, it's it's all about what does the sponsor want, and trying to get them, get them that. Um, yeah, no, that that definitely makes sense. And I assume part of your pitch was the way you envision what what KSP is supposed to be and what ultimately the rocket you're planning to build is supposed to be. So, what makes uh, the rocket that you're building? so different from the industry standards that sponsors say yes that is something we want to get involved in and we want to want to finance and to support well the, the biggest differentiator between us and everyone else uh, at the university level is that we're reusable we reusability is at the heart of our mission and sustainability mm-hmm. so you know in terms of sustainability we're using biofuels as our propellants and so forth and that we're the only university in the UK and Europe mm-hmm. that have this vision right now for a fully reusable and sustainable rocket. And that, that's a key differentiator because, you know, if you want these rockets to become cheaper in the long run, you really got to make them reusable. You can't have it as a, a dispensable object. Yes. And that, you know, some, some sponsors like that aspect of it, the fact that we're pushing for the sustainability aspect as mm-hmm. well. Ron, now you're there's a project lead uh, at the moment. Where do you guys envision KSP to be in a couple of years? Because quite frankly, the UK has not been known as a big space um, country and it's always been mostly the US and, and uh, previously, of course, now China and, and Russia. So do you want to help the UK become one of those new uh, one of those countries that that now fl- will fly to the moon and colonize mars and whatsoever or where do you see ksb fitting in in that in that global structure in a couple of years so i, th- I think that in a way our long-term ambitions go even a step further than that so mm-hmm. you're absolutely right that in the past decade couple of decades the uk its contribution to uh, the space industry has mostly been contributing to projects and collaborating with the likes of the European Space Agency. And there hasn't been many projects, you know, solely of a, a British funding, British effort uh, from British soil. So in a way, us being a university in the UK working on this, I yeah. think it's fantastic for providing some foundation to improve that situation. So, you know, we are, if, if we can do what we're trying to do at our level then it should really 
prove and show that there's nothing to stop us from going further in terms of what the UK can achieve at a higher level in the space industry. But, you know, after we have been successful at getting this reusable rocket to the Kármán line, when we look beyond that, what we're really trying to do is almost become the European version of uh, NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory, JPL. Mm-hmm. And JPL has been a source of inspiration for us as an organization, you know, since the very beginning. Yeah. In a similar way, the JPL was founded by a group of Caltech students who, you know, they were a bit rogue. They they went above and beyond uh, maybe what they were allowed to do. But in doing that, in messing around with uh, engines and yes. uh, you know breaking some rules at the time, they really managed to to take off. I mean, pun intended. But yeah. uh, then were able to get military contracts, and then were ultimately acquired as a as a branch of NASA, and mm-hmm. uh, continues to contribute to pretty much every single major space project to date. So you know whether that's the James Webb James Webb Space Telescope. Mm-hmm. or any of the Voyager missions, they've had a hand in the contribution for those projects. And so we are not just a rocketry group, right? Yeah. That's that's the first kind of uh, instinct of people when they think about KSP, it's just another university rocketry group, but we're called the Common Space Programme for a reason. And a space programme goes so much beyond just launching rockets. Mm-hmm. So in the long term, I think that's where we'd like to focus is what else can we do when it comes to sustainable space technology. Yeah, no, uh, definitely. With that vision and all that, that big picture playing, I would say, quite ahead into the future, um, you have clear milestones that you want to achieve by by certain dates, especially you've got a clear milestone to achieve the launch of your Aurora rocket by the end of 2024. Now, can you tell a bit more about what that rocket is supposed to be able to do? Yeah, so the way that we have been aiming uh, to get to space is with these four major rocket launches that we have mm-hmm. kind of branded as the Nova launches. So the first of that, Nebula, we launched back in July 2022. That had the objective of allowing us to work as a team together, see what worked, what didn't work so well, and generally just gain some experience uh, with launching rockets. Then the next stage would be the Orion rocket, which is one that we want to launch in summer of this year, mm-hmm. with the aim of reaching a much higher altitude than what Nebula uh, achieved. So we're aiming at around 25 kilometers to really put our subsystems, so our avionics recovery, under some rigorous conditions and see how they perform at altitude, under high velocities, high accelerations, etc. Yes. Then we move on to the space shot rocket, which will be launched for both Vega and Aurora. So Aurora will be the final launch, which will hopefully reach the Kármán line. And this will be a liquid engine rocket uh, using the bipropellant liquid engine and so with that, we are aiming for that to be as reusable, as sustainable as we can possibly make it. So whether that is with the recovery system, not using powder ejection charges or compressed gas, but using a more novel spring-based ejection system that we're developing at the moment, uh, to you know all the way down to how we propel the rocket, 
not using a solid motor, but actually moving to then develop a liquid engine, which can be reused again and again. Uh, and these are the key features of what we hope our space shop rocket will include uh, mm -hmm. and what will allow it to get to the common line ultimately. Yeah, I assume you won't be launching that rocket, especially the Orion rocket, which is coming this summer. You won't be launching that from from London City or from the from the Imperial campus. So right. where are you guys doing that? Do you have a, a special facility to test all of that? Yeah, so in terms of the launches themselves, so with Orion and most likely also Vega and Aurora, the plan is to launch from the US at the moment uh, because they have the most infrastructure in terms of supporting launches to the altitudes that we're aiming for. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in between all of these main launches that I, we've mentioned with Nova, we would also really like to do as many test launches as we can. So one of them is coming up uh, very soon. We're calling it the Excalibur rocket, and it's meant to be a test platform, but aimed at a much smaller altitude so we can actually launch that from the UK. Uh, with testing our engines, there are facilities in the UK that we can use as well. Uh, and luckily, so you know, you mentioned that historically the UK hasn't been at the forefront of the space industry. But I think what we're seeing now is the UK government is really trying to put investment into projects and companies who are operating within the space industry. And that means there are more test facilities being developed, more launch support is being put together. So, you know, right now I'm saying that we're going to launch Aurora from potentially the US, but by the time we get to 2024, the scene might be slightly different and an opportunity window might open such that we could launch from UK soil, but we'll have to see. But that would be also, again, looking into the far future, your ideal scenario that KSP will still be headquartered in the UK and, and most of your operations and facilities down the road will still be out of the United Kingdom or at least Europe, right? Yeah, I think, you know, it's never, especially in today's economy, it's never bad to be global minded as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, you know, ultimately we have ambitions to promote sustainability and just advancements in space technology who we work with who we are able to work with it would be great if we can have collaborations with countries across the world but as we mentioned one of our longer term objectives is to kind of establish ourselves as this european version of jpl and you know what mm -hmm. they're achieving and what they're doing so the uk is always where our roots will be and i think a large part of our operation will remain in Europe. But there's, you know, it's, there's always opportunities to work with organizations from countries across the world. And that's something that we're very excited about. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, Chapel, you mentioned before that the rocket you are developing is supposed to be reusable or supposed to land again so they can take off again and use sustainable fuel which is great in terms of material material reusability but when we when we take one step back and maybe look at the entirety of space programs and many many people oftentimes at least questioning the need for space programs besides it looking cool when someone is stepping onto the moon just 
for me as someone who doesn't have that much information about space programs and so on, why do we need space programs? Also in terms of our sustainability efforts here on the ground and, and maybe tackling climate change. I, I love this question because it comes up so much when people ask, what, what is the point of blowing those up? <laughs> but but actually, when you look back at you know all you know some of the biggest technological innovations, they have actually been thanks to you know the space industry and you know you know things like NASA and so forth. Like for example, integrated circuit boards came out of the space industry. You got your uh, cameras that are in your phones right now wouldn't have existed without the space industry. You've got so many things coming out of the space industry that makes our daily lives so much easier. Mm -hmm. So I would always say, you know, that that's the biggest reason why these, these programs matter so much, just because in terms of the research and development that comes out from just testing our engineering to the very limits, you know, it mm -hmm. just advances everything so much. And there's, you know, in the future, we're going to have, there's all sorts of like developments coming just through the space industry, for example, um, you know, for example, when we're designing Mars rover vehicles, we want to think about how the dust from Mars doesn't stack up on the solar panels and it and the solar panels can power the Mars rover vehicles for as long as possible. You know, how can we make the rover clean itself or you know, the solar panels clean itself? Things things like that, making the solar panels more efficient. They all have uh, a benefit to life on Earth and we can transfer that innovation into sustainably powering our homes and so forth. And to me, that's the biggest reason why mm -hmm. this, this, this space, space industry matters uh, so much. Absolutely. You, you mentioned the future. So for me, as someone who's following space programs here and then in the news whatsoever, what's your take from the two of you of us ultimately colonizing Mars. It's interesting because to, to, to me, I don't want I don't want to sound. Uh, there's probably some space enthusiasts that that love to say, "Oh, we're going to go to Mars," but mm. to me, I, <laughs> I, I don't really see the point. <laughs> Which is weird because you know I, I'm supposedly a space enthusiast and. We should be aiming to go to Mars. I mean, it'd be great to go to Mars and so forth. Um, I don't know. Maybe we will. I mean, we've had a lot of surprises. I, I think it'll be much easier just to just to stay on Earth, and we're, we're going to follow the path of least resistance, and that'll be I'd assume staying on Earth. Mm -hmm. I would say, from a technological perspective, and you know, this kind of links back to the question you just asked as well of. Why do we do these things? Why do we have space programs? Why do we want to leave our planet when our planet already has enough problems for us to be trying to solve? What's yes. the point of going to Mars? But I think from a technological perspective, it could actually bring a lot of benefits. So if you think about us going to Mars and trying to colonize it, let's say, that has to start somewhere. We have to have a very good strategy for that. And what would that involve? We might send a few people first to see can we establish any kind of structure on Mars for someone to live in? And I think the most important thing is to do that, we would need to, you know, those structures would have to contain as few individual parts as possible. Otherwise, mm -hmm. it would just be impossible to 
construct like a house on earth a single wall is not just one thing right it's made of how many of the bricks to put this wall together i don't think a structure in mars could be designed and manufactured in at all the same way so we would really have to reimagine how we put structures together but then that could have a very positive benefit for us on earth where if you look at countries where there are areas where people you know really cannot afford to have uh, a, a functioning house you know forget yes. uh, forget about a house with xyz features and you know all these luxuries but just a simple roof over their head when that is a challenge for us there's potential that trying to reimagine a solution to the problem could really help out here on earth as well where you know this kind of mass housing uh, you know on a, on a big scale could mm-hmm. be done at a fraction of the cost uh, in a fraction of the time it's a a problem that we can tackle and solve uh, by trying to colonize mars so you know i think there will be resistance from people uh people will be radically for it people will be radically against it mm-hmm. personally i don't think i'm going to be alive for long enough to really see the benefits of us trying to colonize an- another planet but i think just as a, a species we've always had this you know unsatiable desire to explore right so yeah i guess the word astronaut the roots of that is essentially like a navigator of the cosmos and whether it's sailors who first went out to sea just to explore or us now going out into the cosmos again just to explore that need for explore, exploration is something that i don't think we will ever shake away but it then always turns into something that trickles down with benefits for society as you know we've talked about all these innovations that have come out of space so i think colonizing mars is going to be a massive challenge but mm-hmm. one that we can achieve from a technological perspective and one i think that we should try and give a go when it comes to you know from a social perspective should we all move to mars that's another question i think we have plenty of problems to tackle here first before considering populating another planet but at least trying to set up the infrastructure is something that could have a lot of benefits for us on earth and i think would be a pretty good idea and i think it's not only the, the problems we have to tackle on our planet but also we have a very very beautiful planet and so taking every effort to save it and to do our best with it i think i think space programs can play quite an important role with all of that and i think what you guys are doing with KSP is is incredible. Uh, so just as of my information, you guys are constantly looking for new team members, right? Um, is there anything you're currently looking uh, in particular? So to all Imperial students listening, is there anything, any kind of people with a certain backgrounds you're looking for? Yeah, so we take people from pretty much every discipline at Imperial. Uh, just with the multidisciplinary project, and that's something really that we value people from all different points of Imperial. But the things that we look for most of all is, you know, are they smart? Are they kind? Are they driven? Mm -hmm. And are they going to be a good team member? But those four things that we look for always uh, are the things of, if you're smart, if you're kind and you're driven, (laughs) why not join? (laughs) That's great. That's great. Um, Rohan Chapal, it's it's been a pleasure. Um, I wish you all the best for your future rocket launches. Obviously, the next one coming up next summer, 
and to follow your journey, uh, fingers crossed, KSP is going to be the number one space program, be it in the UK or in Europe in a couple of years. So all the best. We'll be following along. And thank you very much for coming onto the Green Man's podcast. Thank you, thank very you. Much for having us. Incredible.